0: This is Raising Voices, a podcast series by ACRC, the Association of Children's Residential and Community Services. The name is long, so let's stick with
1: ACRC. I'm Carrie Sisson, Executive Director. I'm Mackenzie Melcher, Member Services Coordinator, and more importantly, the voice you'll hear narrating many of our podcasts.
0: As you know, Kenzie, serving children and families with complex mental health needs
1: is, well, complex. Right, and we rely heavily on our colleagues to raise the bar of excellence in the field, for kids and families. We'll be using this platform to encourage the sharing of knowledge and expertise. Carrie, as you well know, our collective goal is to improve mental health services and interventions for youth.
0: It's not about one system. It's likely not a linear conversation. And none of these topics can be wrapped up in a podcast. But we need to pull back the curtains and talk openly about mental health. And in particular, this season's topic, Identifying and Serving Commercially Sexually Exploited Youth. Welcome to Raising Voices.
1: Welcome to the inaugural episode of Raising Voices. In this episode, we cover, well, the basics. And even if you're not new to CSEC, that is, commercially sexually exploited children or youth, we still think you should stick around. Get to know us and see what we have coming down the pike. In the coming year, we have some hard-hitting topics that even the experts will find value in, as well as survivor-led conversations, interviews with community leaders from across the globe, and guest speakers who will challenge you to be the best advocates for those who need you most. Today, you'll hear a panel of guests discuss all things CSEC, what it is, what it's not, how youth enter the industry, and how you can help. I want to take a moment and state that Due to the nature of this conversation, this podcast contains sensitive material, such as child sexual trauma. This may be inappropriate or triggering to some audiences. Without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and welcome each of our four panelists for today, starting with Gina Peck Sobolewski. Gina, can you go ahead and state your name, your preferred pronouns, and the work that you do in the field of serving CSEC populations?
0: Hi, everyone. My name is Gina Peck. My preferred pronouns are she, her, and hers. And I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I currently oversee residential services at Sycamores, a nonprofit agency in Los Angeles County serving children and families.
1: Thanks, Gina. Next, we go to Kyle Mushkin. Kyle, your name, preferred pronouns, and a bit about the work you do?
2: Hi, this is Kyle Mushkin. I'm the director of prevention at My Life, My Choice in Boston, and I use she, her pronouns. My Life, My Choice is a nonprofit in Boston uh, that works on a national level to fight the commercial sexual exploitation of children. We are not a residential program, but we collaborate with a number of residential programs in all their forms and congregate care around the country and in Canada. And we provide trainings, um, we do a lot of consultation and we are a survivor-led organization as well.
1: Thank you, Kyle. Up next is Becky F. Young. Becky, I'll ask the same for you. Your name, preferred pronouns, and a bit about your work.
3: So hi everyone. My name is Becky Effiam. My preferred pronouns are she, her, hers. And I'm the youth service coordinator at Lad Lake. Uh, Lad Lake has a variety of different services for youth and families. Um, and we work, we have one residential program that is specialized for female youth ages 12 to 17 who have a history of sexual exploitation.
1: Thank you, Becky. Next, another panelist from Wisconsin, Natalie Brettel. Natalie, can you share your name, pronouns, and some insight into the work you do?
4: Hello, everyone. My name is Natalie Brettel. I use pronouns she, her, and I am the clinical operations coordinator for Milwaukee Academy, which is an all-girls residential treatment facility in Wisconsin. And I am primarily responsible for providing uh, individual treatment to the youth in our care, uh, through the programming that we offer, and we are specifically um, programmed to serve youth who have experienced sexual exploitation, and then I also work a lot with staff development and training to ensure that our programming is being the most effectively and most appropriately inter- implemented in the girls' daily treatment milieu.
1: Thanks, Natalie. We have a great panel today, so without further ado, I want to get the conversation started. What is CSEC? Gina? I'll let you start us off.
0: Hi, everyone. So the acronym CSEC stands for Commercial Sexual Exploitation of Children. May also be called child sex trafficking or domestic minor sex trafficking with an acronym of DMST. CSEC, defined in basic terminology, is sexual activity involving a minor under the age of 18 in exchange for something of value or promise thereof to the minor or other person or persons. So essentially the minor is treated as a commercial sexual object. Victims can be male, female, or transgender youth. Youth can come from all settings, but homeless and runaway youth and youth in foster care and residential treatment are particularly vulnerable. CSEC constitutes coercion and violence against children and amounts to forced labor and what may be referred to as a contemporary form of slavery in some cases. In other cases, romantic relationships may become the setting from manipulation into sex trafficking. Here, the child is treated as a sexual and commercial object. CSIC can take various forms like selling sex with children, child pornography, child sex tourism, and other forms of transactional sex. Children are not developmentally, legally, or socially able to make informed choices to enter or remain in commercial sexual exploitation. Instead, they do so because of desperation, coercion, enticement, or manipulation. Some statistics for you, um, at least 100,000 to 300,000 youth are at risk for commercial sexual exploitation annually in the US alone and close to 2 million children run away each year in the US. Why is this topic important? CSEC is a form of violence against children. It is child abuse. A child cannot consent to sexual activity. The good news is many states now have anti trafficking as well as safe harbor laws protecting children highlighting that children are seen as victims of sexual abuse violence and cannot be adjudicated for prostitution it's important that we as the treaters and the healers and the helpers speak the same language and view these children as victims that's why it's really important to change our language changing our language is important because it reframes the issue as a form of child abuse It also expresses the philosophy that sexually exploited boys, girls, and transgender youth deserve more supportive services instead of jail sentences. Changing our language also more accurately represents the scope of the issue and the reality of exploited youth's experience. It also creates a common language to move toward facilitating a community response plan. Now that we've defined the issue and the importance of addressing it,
2: we can talk more about
0: risk factors. Kyle Mushkin will offer some thoughts on it.
2: Thank you, Gina. Um, So when we talk about risk factors for CSEC, one thing that we wanted to be sure to address in this podcast is that the age of entry is often much younger than people think it may be. So the average age of entry into exploitation is across the board for all youth, regardless of gender or socioeconomic status or anything. Um, the average age of entry is actually 12 to 14 years old. So some youth actually do enter younger than that. They are recruited younger than that, and some are older. That is the average age, however. Um, Other risk factors that we see, um, all youth really are at risk of being exploited for the simple fact that adolescents want to be accepted. They wanna be understood, they wanna be noticed, and exploiters know this and they prey on this. Um, And when they are recruiting youth, they look for youth who exhibit the qualities that tell them that these are insecure youth, that these are kids who are looking for love, who are looking for acceptance, um, whether this is in person or online. Youth at higher risk, um, while while all youth are at risk of exploitation simply because they are adolescents, There are certain factors that place a youth at higher risk of exploitation. So like for any other public health issue, um, BIPOC youth are at higher risk, youth of lower economic status, youth with developmental delays, and youth identifying as LGBTQ. So all of these factors um, play into the risk level that kids are facing in terms of exploitation. Um, Youth in foster care in particular, youth who are living in congregate care uh, and or in foster homes, in individual foster homes, um, and youth who are homeless are especially vulnerable um, to being exploited because these youth often have a trauma history, they often um, have experienced sexual and other abuse in the past, and they have a need for family and love that goes above and beyond youth who are in stable, loving family homes. Um, So these are when we say risk factors, these again are the qualities that a an exploiter would be looking for in order to exploit, in order to recruit a youth into commercial sexual exploitation. So as we talk more about that, um, Natalie is going to talk about pathways to entry. There are several pathways to entry, and I will turn it over to Natalie Brettel.
4: Thanks, Kyle. So as Gina and Kyle kind of started with what CSEC is and risk factors, like Kyle mentioned, uh, my natural next question is, how do youth get involved in sex trafficking? What are those pathways of entry? Because there's this common misconception and this narrative that uh, youth are brought into sex trafficking through being kidnapped. You know, the image of the van taking a young woman from the parking lot on her way to her car. And really, the reality is that um, very few youth are actually brought into the life through this kidnapping imagery that we all have, and that is so common. So to really simplify it, recruiting tactics of exploiters can kind of fall into four different categories. Uh, The first being force, that less common kidnapping imagery that I just mentioned. So basically, it's a means of physical force that is used And this is the most common recruitment tactic that the public hears about in the news or in social media or in movies. However, it's actually the least common way that someone might be exploited. The second tactic that recruiters can use is coercion. And this is intimidation or using intimidation or threats to make the youth fear for their safety or for the safety of the people that they care about. A third tactic is befriending where the exploiter gets to know the youth or tries to become their friend or the youth already has a friend that's already being exploited that introduces them to the idea. And the fourth one that I want to spend the most time on uh, is seduction. So this tactic is where the exploiter acts like he's a boyfriend or giving the youth what they need like money, drugs, a place to stay, presents. And they often come off as very charming and sweet and thoughtful and making the youth feel special and cared for, which is especially important with the vulnerable youth that Kyle just talked about. So it's really a means of emotional and physical survival for them. So this is the grooming process for the exploiter to gain the youth's love and trust and build that emotional bond that results in loyalty from the youth. Once this happens, the exploiters have what they need to use those emotions against the youth, and the relationship then turns to one of manipulation and coercion and abuse, which leaves the exploiter in a position of power and the youth feeling like they have to get that love back that was never really there in the first place because it was just all this big game of manipulation. So the youth are then in a situation where they feel like their exploiter Um, has all this control and they can't get out due to the control or the fear or the loyalty that they have for this person. So because the most common pathways of entry are that through that seduction or that befriending, this often occurs through social media and the building of these relationships, which is why it's so important to draw attention to that aspect of exploitation. And going along with that, uh, Becky will actually be talking about why, where the demand comes from for this and why there is demand for commercial sexual exploitation in the first place.
3: All right, thanks, Natalie. Um, So after we're hearing everything that Gina, Kyle, and Natalie have talked about, we really have to stop and ask ourselves that question. Why is this happening? And the answer is, is because there is a demand. And as a society, we really have to ask ourselves, why is there such a demand to buy people for sex and specifically to buy children? And if we want to really put a dent in this issue and start to fully address it, we have to find durable ways to address and disrupt the supply and demand pain. The reality is, is that this is a billion dollar industry and people are people and children are being trafficked because there are billions and billions of dollars that are being made and because there are people who want to buy sex from children. And we have to be able to to make progress in having laws and in having ways to find how do we address this? How do we figure out why is there such this high demand? And how do we start to chip away at figuring this piece out. We have made a lot of progress in ways of supporting and having services for for our victims, which is great. But I have been a part of conversations and trainings that have talked to traffickers or previous traffickers, and they have all said that there there is no shortage in being able to find victims. They have no problem finding um, and using the tactics that Natalie had talked about to find more uh, vulnerable youth to pull into trafficking. And so we have to be able to find ways to disrupt this supply and demand if we ever really want to make the progress that we all do in helping our victims and helping to stop this issue from happening.
1: Thank you, Becky. And thank you, Natalie, Gina, and Kyle for all sharing your expertise with us. Moving forward, our next episode will be our first of five mini-episodes that will be spread out over the course of the next year. Our mini-episodes will aim to myth-bust some of the common, but sometimes subconscious, preconceptions people have around commercially sexually exploited youth. We look forward to having you follow along. Until next time.